I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. Joining me, as usual, my sister from another mister, the rebel who brings the bass and the treble. She cannot be denied, she cannot be diminished. If you mess with her on Twitter, you're finished. It's G from WoTV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, mate? <laughs> I'm real good. A little bit um, uh, worse for wear, having watched from prelim to uh, main card every single fight on last night's um, UFC Fight Night 174. Hashtag Fight Island 3. You know, I, I think that um, we didn't actually get into this on the previous episode, which was sort of remiss of us, but we had a Bellator card, an incredible Bellator card, Bellator's oh. return, um, which was on Friday, Bellator 242 Pettis versus Bandeus. Now, I saw the clips, I'm not going to lie, I didn't stay up to watch that. I, from the clips, the actual main event looked incredible, but for me, the takeaway of that was Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico, 6-3 and three now, defeated Solo Hatley uh, by Rear Naked Choke. Did you see that coming? Did you know that was actually yeah. on the cards? Could you actually predict that? No, I didn't, I didn't predict that at all, but I was happy to see it. And he dominated from start to finish as well. Mm, mm. What do you think so, of Coco's bubble, the fight bubble that he's, uh, he's created now that... You know, um, they are back in business, Bellator, that is. I mean, I'm, I was happy with what I saw that night, you know, with the, some of the folks that came back to fight. There were some really good matchups, mm. and I'm glad Bellator took their time and waited to sort things out. Like, I'm glad they didn't rush things and put anyone's, you know, health at risk. So if they're back and ready to do this, I'm on board. Nice. Speaking of ready to do this, they certainly were ready to do it at UFC Fight Night 174. The prelims, I have to say, like I mentioned at the top of the of, of the show, I stayed from start to finish. And because, you know, the heavy European contingent on there and from a Brit perspective as well. Um, OK, let's not break down every single prelim fight. I mean, there was a seven fight main card, for God's sake. So we've got so much to talk <laughs> about, so much to get through, so much to discuss. But for me, the prelims, I think, aptly started off by Nathaniel Wood versus John Castaneda. So Nathaniel Wood um, returned to winning ways, but in a very spectacular fashion. It, for me, was um, everything that Nathaniel has promised he would be up until now. And it manifested in one fight, which basically just put him on track, not only in um, you know fans' eyes, but also, I reckon, for himself, that must have been a shot in the arm, a boost of confidence to see that. You know, for John Castaneda, um, I forget which promotion he was a champion of, but, you know, he's coming off um, with the credentials that he had anyway. Um, actually, it was, uh, God, what's the promotion called again? Uh, anyway, it will come to me. Um, that three-round decision, I think, was a thrilling shutout. You know, for me, they were evenly matched, considering that, 
you know, Nathaniel did have a, a change of opponent. He was originally supposed to have fa- faced um, Namega Madoff. Um, Usman, is it, isn't it? Usman uh, Namega mm. Madoff? Namega Madoff? I believe so. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, I thought, quite a, a thrilling return for, you know, Nathaniel Wood. Crisp, striking, precise striking. I like the measured way in which he kind of, like, just followed up, kept... You know, um, John Castaneda at the end of a jab. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. How about oh, you? Yeah, I, th- I thought his um, performance was technically sound, offensively and defensively. Like, I saw some beautiful slips, some smooth footwork. But I think he outworked John from what I saw in the pocket. Mm. Like, he was sitting down on his punches and outstriking him. And when he was out of range, it was perfect for him defensively. It was just a beautiful, beautiful performance. And I also like that John and him matched up well. I thought they had similar fighting styles, which made for a fun fight. Oh, definitely. Which was surprising to me. Yeah, because I didn't know much about John. And I know he comes from the Contender Series, I think, I believe. And also, like, I can't remember the promotion you're speaking of, too. But I was pleasantly surprised by his performance as well. They matched up well together. Promotion was Combate. Um, I don't know why it didn't slip off my tongue, but you know, coming from such like high pedigree, I was really impressed with, you know, how Nathaniel dealt with him. And like I say, I think it was in the right place, given the heady heights where you know Nathaniel had come from. Considering, you know, John Dodson was his last opponent, to see him opening up the prelims, you know, for some people it was kind of like, oh, what's going on here? But considering the caliber of the outcome, considering the caliber of the fight. Um, I thought it was in just the right place. What else floated your boat on on, on the card? Man, let me tell you. I really liked um, this fight with Mazvar Evlavev versus Mike Grundy. Okay. And, uh, oh, my God. Um, First of all, he's undefeated. Um, His name is so hard for me, but I'm going to keep trying. Evlavev. I was so impressed. First of all, he's now on a three-fight win streak. But what dialed me in right away in this fight, Mike, was when he put Mike Grund- when Mike Grundy put him in a darts choke, and he kicked his thighs and Amazing. hips, Mike's thighs and hips, to get out mm. of it, and got his leg out and scrambled up. And I love the scrambles. And then when he got up, he had this most unassuming jab, and he was so good on the feet. It was just such a great fight, and I'm just looking forward to um, Mazvar. I want to see more fights from him. But I, I love that fight, and I like Tom Espinal's debut. Did you see? Yeah, it? the KO. Um, yeah. it, it started out, you know. I, I thought, oh no, where, where are we going with this? But that KO, I mean, especially in the first round as well, that shut me right up. Oh yeah, when he hit that body with that hard knee, and then hit him with a quick two piece. Mm. I was like, my God! And then I didn't know Mike that Jake Collier he had fought in other divisions. And he's a much bigger man now. Like, did you see him um, in other divisions? Like, they have pictures of him out in the media. I didn't, didn't actually see and, um, his, his other, yeah. his other uh, body types and his other um, divisions. No, I, I missed that. Yeah, you need, to hit, you need to hit Google and check it out. Someone had tweeted, like, you know, this is a cry for help. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm. It's not a cry for help. But I don't know. I questioned him at that weight class after that performance. But I'm really interested in Tom Aspinall. And, you know, they're so quick to give quick turnaround fights. Why not give him one as well, you know, <laughs> young, hungry? Yeah, we're going to get to quick turnaround um, fights when we get on the main card. But you know what else floated my boat? Betch Correa, mm-hmm. Betch Correa and uh, Pani Kianzad. I have to say, 
Pani looked crisp in her striking and actually, you know, literally beat the braids of Kahea. You know, at the Did end she? of the first, that was a, that, a real bizarre kind of like finish, that onslaught, because um, Kahea thought that, you know, the fight was actually uh, concluded for that round. They literally had 10 seconds left to go and Betch thought that, um, you know, everything was over and found herself at the end of a couple of swift lefts and right that was really bizarre it was almost you know what it looked like it looked like she turned around and thought oh hold on have i left the gas on right (laughs) (laughs) do you know what's so funny i missed that fight but when i logged on onto twitter and and was checking the blogs i was like what the hell is going Mm. on like she's just gonna stop fighting in the middle of the fight and walk away and Yo, Penny waxed that ass real quick too, and I was just like, "Is is is Beth okay? Like, what's <laughs> what's happening?" But I missed the fight, and um, unfortunately, Beth lost. How many is that in a row? Do you know, Mike? I don't actually, off the top Isn't of my she? head. I'm gonna have to look that up. But um, she might be in a little hot water here. Mm. She's had a, quite a few losses, but I'd have to check. But I definitely missed that one. What'd you think of uh, Dolby? Uh, versus Jesse Ronson. My heart a little bit. Nick, yes. Yeah, I mean that think? that submission. I I was I I felt for uh, Dolby because you know, albeit late in the day, I, I've never really kind of like followed closely Nicholas Dolby's career. And like seeing mm-hmm. what he posted the day before really made me sit up and like take proper notice. You know, he'd actually um, been sporting for a couple of days. It was a, a rainbow, it looked like a, a rainbow band. Now, given where they were fighting, given the Middle East is quite homophobic in its outlook, if you ask me. Plus, you know, given that, you know, that place is under tight lockdown, to get that um, symbol, which kind of like represented really for LGBTQI, and, you know, mm-hmm. framing that in the Black Lives Matter as well. It really did, uh, for me, raise Nicholas Dolby's stock. But obviously, that didn't do enough, though, to stop him being submitted in uh, round one. I know. I thought maybe, you know, he's always like an offensive forward type of fighter, which I, you know, I like about him. But what I thought in this performance was he just seemed a bit overzealous, just hella eager Mm. and just coming forward and just, you know, defensively he was making me nervous and lo and behold Jesse kept his chin tucked in and Jesse's known to be a counter-striker and he just nails him Mike and it broke my heart because that was the beginning of the end and we know what happened Jesse climbs his back and submits yeah. him but I just wonder if like if Nicholas was just feeling too good or whatever he just seemed wound up in there just I don't know I want him to slow down a little bit and, and pick his shots rather than just keep coming forward and keep coming forward but you know, hopefully he'll be back even stronger. But Jesse had a really good performance, though, nonetheless, a nice veteran mm-hmm. performance. I mean, I, I mean this in, in the nicest possible way, but it was almost as though, you know, for want of a better word, Nicholas Dolby was feeling himself because he, he looked great in there. Mm-hmm. He looked confident and, you know, he was definitely in the flow of things. And eager, eager is definitely one word I would uh, definitely um, use to describe it. Yeah. But I would say, you know, he was caught up on the fact that, you know, he was performing probably how he drilled his performance uh, week in, week out in the run-up to that oh. fight. So that's what it looked like. 
Oh, maybe so. It just, I don't know. It just seemed like something was off, even though it was still his fighting style. Yeah. It just, he just seemed overzealous and it caught up with him. And Jesse Ronson has an extensive career. He's got quite a background, you know, and he's a vet. So he knew what to do. He sized him up and just, you know, hit him with a nice counter on the back foot and kept that tension, that um, chin tucked. It was, it was nice to see. Right. It was a good performance on his part. Oh, definitely. The curtain jerker, or just before the main card, um, Jai Herbert versus Francisco um, Trinaldo. I've got to say, you know, I felt for Jai in this, in that, you know, obviously he'd had, um, you know, everything kind of like leading up to this. It was looking, you know, pretty positive in terms of, you know, the style of the opponent that he was originally matched up with. But, you know, obviously to get Francisco or Francisco Trinaldo, um, you know, considering, you know, Francisco's age, I know age is nothing but a number, but considering this guy's a veteran, you know, 26 or 25 and, um, and, and 7 going into the fight, I did feel for him. It was always going to be a rough ride. It was always going to be, um, well, one-sided. But to do what he did, think about it. For me, maybe I'm over-egging this. Maybe this is just my my, my bias because A, Jai is a, a Brit. But B, mm-hmm. um, you know, having had him on the show, uh, I do, I, I'll admit my bias there. Um, <laughs> the, the thing I would say, I think up until that unfortunate KO, it looked to me that mm-hmm. Jai was controlling the fight. Jai was winning and he was proving me wrong in that, you know, this Francisco Trinaldo was being made to look like the, the, the debutant, as it were. I don't know, maybe manage my expectations, pull me back. Am I, am I overrating <laughs> this by saying that Jai had control of this fight up until that KO? I don't know if it was control of this fight. He was just looking really, really yeah. good. And I would say he was controlling the striking. Like, he was the better man in the striking exchanges. Mm. Like, when he was coming straight down the middle with that right hand, he was coming right through the guard, and Francisco had nothing for it. But then Francisco would come back with, like, some, like, overhand, which, you know, later on would be the, you know, the end-all, be-all. Yeah. However... What I did see was a good back and forth fight with, again, another veteran that, you know, and and he's not just a veteran. He's like really good. Okay, he's like he's like in that grandpa leagues that right now the UFC has with like Glover Teixeira, um, Olenek, uh, Francisco, like these guys are older. But um, they're very capable of winning and beating your ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're still really good. Even if they're gatekeepers, they are dangerous men. And that's what we saw with Francisco because even though Jai was winning in the striking exchanges, the momentum would change because Francisco would know to go for a takedown or to mix things up. So then, you know, everything would change. And now you're seeing Francisco on top of him. Mm. But yes, until the overhand left, yet I feel like Jai was, you know, in control. And then was murder. She wrote. What do you think of um, Herb Dean and the? Stop? You see that massive overhand left by Trinaldo. That for me, from Herb Dean's point of view, should have been kind of like the writing on the wall to start to wave things off. You know, it was almost as though Herb said, you know, no, no, finish him. I want to see blood. I want to see yeah. a finish here, and invited. Yeah you know, Trinaldo to follow up with at least three more blows. Now, I'm going to defer to um, Herb's angle. He's the man in the cage. He's the third man in the cage. His angle, his perspective. And from his viewpoint, 
must have been completely different to what I saw because I thought I saw somebody whose eyes rolled back in their head oh, I and so. went limp and almost yep. as though the um, impact of the canvas woke him up but he was asleep as he was falling that's how it looked but remember um, this Herb is not only a fight veteran himself but he's also somebody who um, has been refing for quite a while he's a widely respected ref now from my humble perspective um, this is what it looked to look like to me but I will always defer to the ref I will always revert to the ref's perspective because he's the man with a closer view to this but this is what it looked like to me now to invite a man who looked like he was out on his feet um, to be pummeled in the way that he was um, I suppose some might argue that, look, what Herb was also looking at as well was somebody who was actively still in the fight, even though he'd been woken up. This is what it looked like to me. And somebody who was um, intelligently, quote unquote, intelligently um, defending. He was doing that. He was putting his hands where they should be. And that is in a defensive position. His eyes were open. He was looking at his opponent. But just from where I sat, it made me feel really uncomfortable. But also the narrative didn't help as well of you know dan hardy shouting literally on the broadcast stop the fight stop the fight that made it even more uncomfortable that ratcheted up what effectively um from you know herb's perspective was something which could continue how about you what did you think um i i don't know what Herb saw. I did see Jay Herbert go out almost like on the feet, mm. and when he hit the ground, um, for me, Mike, when he hit the ground, I don't think he woke up until Trinaldo hit him because literally, like his arm was stuck limp in the air, and I kind of knew he was out. And if I saw he was out from the couch, I'm just like, Herb was in there, yeah. like three feet away. What exactly did he see? Because I saw his eyes roll back in his head. And I'm not exaggerating. I saw like the look of when they're not there and then they hit the ground and then his arm was up in the air all strange. Mm. And then on top of it, he's not defending himself. He's stuck in the air rigid. So I was just like, what the fuck? And then on top of it, Francisco felt the same way because he looked at Herb like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> And he didn't even hit him that hard. When <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't even hit him that hard when Herb was like, you know, kill him, finish yeah. him. And he hit him two times, but it wasn't, I was just like, man, what what is Herb seeing? And yet, um, Dan did kind of like hype it up a little bit, you know, and, and um, you should have seen the post-fight. Dan Felder was um, even, uh, he was pretty pretty upset after the fight in the post-fight um, comments. Yeah, both of them. He went in, too. Paul, yeah. Paul Felder and, and Dan Hardy, they went to town. They were, you know, disgusted. But I couldn't work out whether yeah, it was Hype Man, Flavor Flav, Dan Hardy, you know, basically hyping, <laughs> hyping up the atmosphere by you know literally screaming let me do my job um or, or, or no actually it was herb who said i do let, my job let me do my job and then you know um dan hardy said i'm doing my job you do yours and i thought yours. man you're really ratcheting up the temperature here now for me um that kind of like heightened the when you, when you, again when you think about it from from Herb's perspective something which he was in control of does that make sense yeah that does make sense and it, and Mike it also doesn't help that there's no fans like I think I bring this up every week yeah. because like we're having like a completely different experience than before like we can hear everything mm. and normally we would not hear things like that 
because of the crowd. And we're hearing all types of stuff. And just to hear Dan Hardy get that upset was just astonishing. Yeah. And then you can even hear Paul Felder kind of nudging him to be like, okay, Francisco's on the mic. Like, you know, like the Shut interview. The <laughs> yeah, like the, <laughs> like the interview was late. And then it's so funny he's telling Dan to shut up. But when they all get together after the fight, it was Dan that like needed to chill for him. Not Dan, excuse me. It was Paul that like got his turn yeah. to go off. And he and he said the same thing I kind of said. And I agree with him. Like his arm was stiff and he looked out of it. So, But Mike, they fight. You know, professionally, perhaps this hits harder than, um, you know, the average fan or someone who doesn't fight. Perhaps they're thinking about the injuries and the toll it takes and the concussions because they do it for a living. So maybe it's personal I, I, you know, for them to see something like that. I don't know. I'm not so sure if I'm doing my day job that I'm employed mm-hmm. to do and somebody who's doing another job in the building comes and tells me how to do my job, how that would actually go down. It would go down... It would go down pretty shittily. You're doing your job in your mind and someone's telling you how to do it. Talk about micromanagement. But not only that, when you think about it, there is a certain kind of like um, dynamic to this which doesn't normally exist in that every single word that's uttered cage side can be heard. Now, when you think about mm-hmm. it from Herb's perspective, he's probably thinking, who the fuck is that? Who, who, what, what are you trying right. to tell uh, me how to do my job? Not only that, what perspective have you got from a lower vantage point? But I suppose the, the key and most important thing is, um, well, I might as well leave here as uh, you seem to have uh, a handle on things. Um, I'm just kind of like redundant. It's like, right. what's the use in having Herb there? What's the point? Take, take his like, name out of it. What's the point in having a ref there? If you're going to come in, albeit, let's give him his due. And I should say that I love Dan Harley. I think that him as a fighter is somebody who I was really, really hot and really, really keen on and loved to watch. But also, you know, from a personal um, perspective as well, Dan is somebody who I, I once sat next to after, you know, filming with, with him for an entire day. And it was such a privilege. And I don't mean that in a fanboy uh, type of way, but it was such a privilege to hear him actually give his perspective on fights whilst watching a fight with him. So it was like my own personal commentary. His insight is phenomenal. So I'm not taking any of that away. I've got no axe to grind here, but I personally think Dan should have slowed his role. He had no business, especially on comms, shouting instructions. But he also had no business um, also ratcheting ratcheting things up like some kind of like hype man, like some Flavor Flav after the event right. and continuing almost like a tirade almost like an argument almost like it was like love and hip hop yeah. it sounds like almost like a reality tv show when <laughs> yes. they have a reunion and everybody fights on stage mm. you know when they get together in their nice clothes and stuff yeah um yeah what you're saying is that it got a little ratchet but mike <laughs> this is this is <laughs> yeah in short mike, it this got is ratchet the, it got ratchet, but Mike, this is the UFC. This is where, like, the commentator can step to the ref. Like, you'd never see some shit like this in football nah. or basketball. Can you imagine right now if the commentator took off his headpiece in basketball and just stepped to the ref? Like, listen, bitch, you better call these fouls. No, like, that's unheard of. But in the UFC, you can get away with that, and then we're going to keep it pushing. It's just, you, the, sto- the sport is still a little rough around the edges because it just... 
that was hella unprofessional. But you see that. But I mean, they're they're fighters in their feelings, watching them like, hey, that could have been me, maybe, mm, you know. But I'm only assuming. But you see, that's what it's the UFC. Yeah, exactly. Apparently. But you know, I, I I think that is too often the cry. It's the UFC. You know how it goes. Mm-hmm. These I these agree. things happen in MMA. Yep. No, we need to stop saying that. Yep. We are begging for mainstream acceptance. We are begging to be um, taken seriously by outsiders. But yet we have ratchet shit like this going down. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep using that word now because it is so apt. Yeah, you know it me. Summed it up perfectly. Yeah, yeah. You know me. I'll <laughs> use a million words when only one is needed. Ratchet is what <laughs> we're looking saying. at and what we should have. Yeah. We, we should be terming this as definitely ratchet. Or, or unprofessional, you know, you could go either way, but I think that's what you're driving at here. And me too, Mike, I'm, I'm totally for like a, a code of ethics or just a little bit of structure here, just so that we can clean things up. Because also, Mike, remember right now, the UFC is having fights during when? COVID-19, yep. coronavirus, yep. all this stuff. And mind you, we were like the only sport right mm. now that was like had the balls to kind of do this or whatever it was. I don't want to call it balls, but we were the only sport on. So we have new eyes on us. So I would think right now we would be on our best behavior right now. We've got other people watching, but I don't know. We, we, uh, we're we still a little rough around the edges and maybe one day, Mike, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of getting there, I suppose it's a high time that we got to the main card that was a seven fight main card and not for uh want of trying um i kept my eyes firmly open for this because i have to say kamzat uh, chimaev and uh, reese mckee for me was the people's main event you might have seen me beating the drum calling it that all week because of the fact that you know kamzat chimaev he would not be denied he asked for another fight considering that this is the first time it's been done it was a it was a historic moment and to see Reese McKee stepping up to the plate you know it did make me feel a little bit apprehensive about you know his safety because we've seen what <laughs> Kamzat Jumayev is capable of I mean against a bigger man I mean look at um the white Mike Tyson John Phillips he is no slouch this is somebody who can switch your off button off uh, or switch your button off with just one yeah. left now for me Reese McKee was always going to be um, wading into deep waters. And um, it was kind of borne out by the fact that um, this was a tough ask, given how ferocious Chimaev is on the ground. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it kind of uh, it panned out how I expected. How about for you? I thought it was pretty scary when the fight started and uh, she, uh, she, Shemaev. Shemaev, yeah. goes, Shemaev goes across the cage, picks him up, <laughs> puts him back on the other side of the cage, and then that was the end of the fight. Like, he plopped him down, <clears throat> and then he either was in wrist control, holding him, he was in total control, using his wrist, wrist control, and then he was in full mount, and then back, you know, using his wrist to control him to get, like, a better position, and then dropping down these bombs on him. Mike. Man. And, then, and then the man had the nerve to sound like a fitness instructor. He was doing everything right. He was even breathing properly with every punch he was exhaling. I was like, that. I sound like that in the gym. This man sounded like a machine, mm. and it was just, I mean, I, it, Reese had nothing for him. I don't think he had any output. He had a little bit of defense. I mean, I'm trying to be kind here, but it was almost no, as me though... No, too. I'm not even trying to <laughs> yeah. be a dick. Yeah, it was almost as though um, Jemayev had actually drilled what he was going to do. Because if you look at the way, and he did exactly the same thing. He picked up... Oh, we tried to pick up Reese. Yeah, he picked al- him almost, up. Almost as though he was saying, okay, how heavy is this dude? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's manageable. 
and I'm going to put you here by the cage because <laughs> this works for me, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to beat you mm. up, or then maybe I'll submit you. No, you turned around. Now I'll hit you. It was just nuts. <laughs> His grappling is phenomenal, and I can't wait to see him do more. But I think people need to just slow down with him needing to fight Usman. Let's just remember a guy named Johnny Walker, folks. We got really high up on him. He had these explosive knockouts. And then guess what happened? Corey Anderson came and shut him up. Yeah. And now he's like at TriStar. Let's not like overwork this dude. I know he wants to smash everything. But the way fans are clamoring for him to just like kind of already fight someone in the top 10 mm. and whatnot. No. How about we get him someone that can grapple really good? And then go from there. Well, you know, because I th- I do believe his last two opponents they're not the best grapplers out no. there. Like that's not their expertise. So maybe give him a grappler and see what happens next. Mm. And I think as well, look, we need to give Reese some props as well. He stood in on mm, what absolutely. five six days notice, and the fact is, as soon as he heard the name, this is what I have been told. He was like, "Well, eh, never heard of him, but let's do this anyway." Yeah. Good for him. That takes balls, you know. Now, that's a who. What's that? Who takes a fight like that? Who takes a fight like that? Short notice, and you don't know anything about your competitor. You know, that's pretty brave of him. And he did his best. He tried to get it out of all those exchanges. Yeah. I mean, he did try. If you watch the fight closely, yes, he was not able to offer any output or any striking, but he was getting out of some of those submission attempts until it just he couldn't take it anymore. Mm. So he you know, he didn't give up is what I'm saying. Mm. No, definitely. No. Next up, Alex Oliveira and Peter Sabota, the the legendary uh, Jamaican Peter Sabota. I love the way that he reps Jamaica. I, I'm not going to lie. That really has endeared him to me. And you probably noticed mm-hmm. in the team picks that I was the only one who picked Peter Sabota. And I'm going to, I'm going to just, you know, <laughs> do, I, I'm just going to be honest and lay my cards fully on the table. It's because he reps Jamaica. That is the reason right. why I backed him. I know that's right. You picked your country, right? so that's that's <laughs> that's what you supposed to do. I'm not gonna knock you. For He's it. not even from I Jamaica. Won't. He just reps it because I think it was he some. Reps it, yeah. I think it was some old kind of like um, story where um, because he has dual nationality, I think it is. They were asking him which country he was going to um, rep, and he didn't want to pick between the two, so he chose Jamaica. He's got an affinity oh, to Jamaica, and um, he actually speaks a little bit of patois as well. Anyway, I'm 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 romanticizing about Peter and the reason why no, cool. you, know, um, you know Jamaica. Artem Artem Lobov does that too. We've got True. other fighters that take on other. You know Artem Lobov. Oh, there's someone else. I just had it at the top of my head. Yeah. But there's some fighters that show love to other countries. I think it's dope. Mm. But let's uh, let's uh, keep going, Mike. I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't like this fight. I was bored with it. It just didn't really do nothing for me. It was a it was another chess match, mm. like Darren Till and Whitaker, yeah. but just not as fun. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what was fun. A lot of faints. Yeah. <laughs> what was fun? Paul Craig and um, uh, Gami Harad, or Gatimat uh, Antilogov. Antigolovov. Yeah, Antigolov. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I love this one. I didn't this see cool. that coming. I I picked Antigolov to win, as you probably, again, referring back to the team picks. Um, one, because of experience. I mean, he's 20 and 7. Um, but also, right. you know, Paul Craig of late, you know, let's just be frank, hasn't looked too good. But that submission, that triangle, throwing that up and like persisting with it, slipping out, persisting mm-hmm. with it. 
and getting it eventually absolutely incredible no hats off to Paul Craig and the fact that he did it um, so soon into the round as well he didn't wait until the last knockings <laughs> of the bell and the final yeah. round that was refreshing to see I'm gonna. I was with you, Mike. I picked N. Tugalov because why? He's a um, his record. You know, he's also a submission specialist with um, you know seventy five percent of his fights end in submission. That's nuts. Yeah, he's got fifteen submission wins. You know, he's from Dagestan. He's got that experience. He's got Russia on his back. That's a whole nother piece. Mm, mm. But what I saw, what what I was happy to see, though, is because, um, Mike, I will admit, I think Paul Craig is like a mediocre fighter. Please don't hate me. I know Europe loves this guy. But stateside, we're just I, like, eh, he's fun. I, I, I wouldn't say mediocre. I would say... I wouldn't say mediocre, but I don't have that, like, love for him. I feel like the Europeans have yeah. for him. And of, of obvious, you know what I mean? well, yeah. And again, I'll stick my biased hand up in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, repping from these shores. Obviously, I wouldn't say obviously. There is the reason um, that the why I was, you know, you know, hot on Paul Craig um, yeah. uh, in the past, and it's because you know he's from these shores. But you know, I'll, I'll admit my bias. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not, maybe mediocre is the wrong word, but I just think, like, he's I, you know? But he has, like, this really cool following. But what I will say, with that being said, I love to see him Mm -hmm. this time around. He implemented a game plan. I'm so used to him throwing those Hail Mary triangles or getting, like, beat up, and then at the last second before the round's over, (laughs) he wins and throws up some Hail Mary. I feel like in this fight, Mike, I swear to God, I feel like he implemented a game plan. Mm. I feel like he goaded Antilog, I can't say his name, and he he got too aggressive. Antilogov. He got too aggressive, went for the single leg, and Paul was like, man, fuck your jiu-jitsu, I'm better than you, and threw up a triangle. And let me tell you, I think it was disrespectful that Antilogov did not respect Paul's ground game, that he just kept moving forward with that submission like sir you didn't see him throw up those Hail Marys like he's good at this like be careful <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna nail this pronunciation Antigulov oh I'm going with Antigulov Antigulov <laughs> you have to like change my voice and stuff to get it right <laughs> anti-gulag mm-hmm. but I feel like he underestimated your man and just was a little bit arrogant when he got caught up in that trial. Yes, like respect his <clears throat> jujitsu sir I know you think you're better but that was kind of reckless you know? yeah I, I suppose you know what um, anti-gulag probably looked at previous footage and thought nah I've got this yeah, I can get out of that. I've I've been through that so many times, but it's like respect that it's Paul Craig that's putting you in that. The person that can pull that off yeah. right before the round ends mm. or after when he's hurt or he takes a body shot and you think he's, you know, done for. That takes, you know, talent for him to be able to throw those Hail Marys up. Mediocre or not, he's he gets it done with his back against the wall, so that means his jits is pretty good. Mm. And I think um anti Gula mm. underestimated him. Yeah. And I liked what I saw. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, again, what endears me to Paul Craig as well is he has the most inventive uh, nickname in the game, the Bear Jew. Um, trivia, bit quick, quick bit of trivia. You know where the Bear Jew's from? Isn't that from that movie in Glorious Yeah. Bastards? Yeah. Well, yeah. You, know, you know, fun. I give me, I, I'm going to give you, <laughs> give you a more difficult one later. But yeah, um, from Inglorious Glorious Bastards. 
Yes, that is my. And I'm a movie buff on the low, so yeah. you know you gotta come. You gotta come hard, a little bit harder than that, Mike. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, next up, Carla Esparza and Marina uh, Rodriguez. For me, the, I'm, I'm sorry. This was where it started to kick in. My eyes were starting to droop, and um, oh, I had yes. I had to reach for the coffee. Now, no disrespect to Carlo Esparza, I'm going to blame, uh, or uh, Marina uh, Rodriguez, but I'm going to blame uh, the fact that, you know, we were dragging into like the early hours in the UK and um, I, w- I was starting to feel it. But, you know, I hung in there, but I-, I found it very difficult to keep my eyes open in this fight. Um, I can't blame you. I, I wasn't sleepy yet. I think I got sleepier by Shogun and Nog. We'll get to that later. But, um, really? The- yeah, it wasn't my thing, Mike, but we'll get to it. You might even have to brief me on <laughs> on some details on that. But with these two young ladies, I will say that they both frustrated me. Yeah. You know, Carla was controlling Mar- Marina, but was like, was comfortable in her guard. It's like at any moment, are you going to try to go for a submission that's not in like a leg bar, like a, a knee bar or a leg crank? Are you nuts? Like, that's a really dangerous, you know, um, submission. But she goes for that, but you don't go for mount and and you don't go for other like easier submissions and you're just content in the guard, which drove me crazy. Yeah. But okay, you're controlling her. And then Marina, she's like creating offense on her back when it's like, honey, why aren't you trying to get up? Like she just almost like forgot to try to get up and she was just seemed so pissed that Carla was taking her down that she was like, I'm gonna give you this work while we down here. No, honey, you gotta get up. You have to get up. And I wish she had, um, to go back to the prelims, Mavzvar Evelev. I'm really impressed with, with this fight, Mike. The way he got out of those scrambles is what Marina Rodriguez needed. Mm. That man, every time he got taken down, Mike, he got up like it was a mistake. Like it was like, whoops, no, 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 my bad, my bad. Like that, that, and that's what Marina needed. Marina instead was like, I'm going to give you this work, mm. but it's like you're wasting time. It, you know, and then when she got up, Mike, she was so angry and she would move forward that she forgot about things defensively and Carla was able to take her back down. I mean, I understand why you took a nap, but I was up and just annoyed with both of them. <laughs> but Carla's got four in a row and she's tenacious and she goes hard, even if it's just, you know, she grinds you out, but she's here. Mm. You know, she's got four in a row. Mm. Tell you someone who wasn't looking to grind things out, Fabrizio Verdun. Uh, defeated mm. Alexander mm-hmm. Gustafsson. Reinforced Gus. He looked good at heavyweight, I've got to admit. And um, I just think that maybe, just maybe, um, he had probably taken a look at, you know, Fabrizio's um, recent performances and thought, ah, nah, I definitely got this. This guy. Um, like, I think we all did. Mm. Yeah, same here. This, I, I exactly think, the same. Yeah, I think we all did. Yeah. And let me tell you, I, I wanted to change my pick when the, when I saw Fabrizio in the cage and I saw, like, two abs. And I was like, man, first first and foremost, Mike, when do you see abs on heavyweights? Mm-hmm. And then Fabrizio had two. And let me tell you, Mike, he not only fought terribly in his last fight against Olianik, he looked out of shape. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. He looked a little chub-lub. He looked a little chubby. So when I saw him now waiting to face Alexander and I saw the two abs, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I think he came to fight. Mm -hmm. And Mike, I'm trying to tell you, as harshly as we criticized him, perhaps he heard that, perhaps he watched the fight. We don't know (laughs) what he went through because he showed up with two abs and he went to work and he handled that man in the first one. Oh, man. And after the trip and he climbed his back, I was like, it's over. It's over for Big Gus. 
<laughs> you see, th- th- that just begs the question, though. I mean, what do you do with Big Gus now, considering, really and truly, um, I'm glad he has cleared this up, but mm-hmm. it looks as though he's in there for the long haul. I mean, to, to, to many people, um, you know, myself included, I half expected him to say, no, nope, nope, fuck this, I'm out. Because, you know, to come back after all this time and to say your head's completely in the game, you've uh, reevaluated how you feel about fighting and to get submiss- submitted in the first, you know, not being able to show off, you know, reinforced Gus um, 2.0 um, did make me think, oh, maybe he's going to hand it straight back in. But, you know, what do you do with, you know, Alexander Gustafson now? Well, Mike... Honestly, I hate to be corny, but that's really like up to him because we don't know the trajectory of his career. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that does he go after a title? Does he revamp his entire career and now focus on being champion again? And to me, that would mean probably cutting down and trying to fight John again, I would think. But what if he's in... um, Anthony Pettis mode where he's like, I just love the fight game and enjoy fighting and fight camp and I just want to have a good time. Mm. What if he's on some Pettis shit? So we don't know. If he wants to have a good time, why not stay at heavyweight? Because honestly, is it really bad to get submitted by one of the best submission grapplers, (laughs) you know, arguably at heavyweight? I mean, Fabricio is a legend. He's a... Yo, he's another person that, Mike, that we don't realize. He's super duper famous in Brazil. Yes. 100 percent okay remember remember his fight against stipe they were gonna hand out masks mm. with his face yep. on it the buzz in brazil was <laughs> like i don't you know i think americans i know stateside we love our stars and we're so like we don't travel not all of us but we're so into our people that we forget that like yeah rodriguez is a mega star in mexico mm. so when the fans threw water and bottles at at um steven um, everybody was shocked, but I'm like, y'all don't know he the shit in Mexico. <laughs> and same thing for Fabricio. So I don't think like Alexander losing to such a legend and losing at what that guy is really good at, which is submitting his opponents, yeah. is really a stain on his career. So I'm gonna let him decide. But if he wants to fight at either weight class, I'm watching. This really didn't do anything for me and Gus. Do I think he should fight for a title? Mm. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but if he wants to fight again, I'm down. Can I um, mention he who should not be named? Um, but this? Greg Hardy. How about Greg Hardy versus Gustafson? I think Gustafson would destroy him. Like I, <laughs> even even big old Gus that we don't know nothing about because mm. we didn't we didn't get to figure out what he's good at at heavyweight because Fabricio shut that down. I just don't think Greg Hardy's ready for that. And I think it's just us. We just want him decapitated. We just want to feed him anybody yeah, <laughs> that, that will kill him. That's what people said when he faced Alexander Volgov. You remember that? Um, yeah. People, uh, including myself, me. hoped, sorry, um, thought that he was going to get destroyed. I see Greg Hardy fighting, I don't know, I can't think of someone off the top of my head, but I maybe I hold Gustafsson um, in high regards. I, I really, I think that's a step down, to be honest with you. Mm. And that has nothing to do with Greg Hardy's background or anything. I truly, maybe I'm still hung up on Alexander Gustafsson and how good he is. I think that's a step down. And I'd have to check the rankings and stuff and see who would be a better fit. But Greg Hardy, I don't know, too soon. Okay. 
Moving on, the co-main event, Shogun Hua and uh, Antonio <sighs> Rogero Nogueira. Um, I love this. I love this for the nostalgia. Why? I love this because they brought it. There were some hooks, there were some uppercuts, there were some jabs. There was everything that you'd seen in the first matchup. Basically, for me, this was kind of like nostalgia round the block all over again, just reliving the all-time greats. And um, I think we got our money's worth. I really enjoyed this. Don't get me wrong. Um, in terms of um, precision, you can see that uh, perhaps they have, like, you know, they're, they're past their best date. But still, they brought it. They really did bring it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Really woke me up, I have to say. Really? Yeah. It did the opposite for me. Really? Um, yeah. I, um, I hate to, to sound like a new fan or a casual, as we would say, but this really didn't do it for me. I didn't really want to see this. I didn't feel it was necessary. You didn't enjoy them and swinging to, for the fences? You didn't enjoy the exchanges? No, not really. No. <laughs> I got sleepy and distracted, and I, I was running to the refrigerator a lot. It was like snack time. Oh, All right. It came on. It just didn't do it for me, but out of respect for who they are mm. and what these men brought to like MMA from Pride to, and then even like this, even though it's a trilogy I didn't ask for, it's just the the other fights got me going. I enjoyed them a bit more. I didn't really enjoy it now past their prime. Yeah, and it, and it was sad to see um little Nag retire on an L like that too, and then an L where it's like he can't beat this guy. But at the same time, what I love about this tri- this trilogy, even though I did not enjoy this particular fight, is that they bring the best out of each yes. other, no matter what age. 100%. And that's the beauty of this. Yeah. Mike, I just didn't like this fight. I like the other two, but this one just didn't do it for me. I didn't like the um, the placement as well. Like, I was on a high, like, Fabricio's back and celebrating, and then these guys came out. I was like, man... <laughs> I had the munchies. I would like some cherries. and You know, like I started daydreaming about food and was, you know, I got distracted. And I didn't like the placement of of the match. Wow. But I respect it. I really do. And I I truly believe what I'm saying, Mike, that these two gentlemen, when they fight, no matter what age, they bring out the best Mm -hmm. in each other. They really do. And I was happy to see. Mauricio was so happy in the post-fight speech. You know, he really does. He said it himself, like, this guy brings out the best in me. And to win three times is just something that he's so proud of. And it, it made me feel good whether I enjoyed the fight or not. You know, kudos to them. I'm not going to lie, G. You're going to hate this. But mm-hmm. I, I'm somewhat distracted by your choice of cuisine. Am I the only one who rocks up with jerk chicken, rice and peas on fight night? Uh, no. <laughs> I... I, I <laughs> Prior to the snacks, you know, the cherries, I had me some, what did I have? I had some Caribbean food. I had some ribs. Oh, okay. Some rice and beans. Now we're I had talking. some plantain. Yeah, no, I live in a Caribbean neighborhood. That's just kind of like part of my diet, Mike. You're talking to the wrong one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so these were kind of like um, like end of fight snacks then. You, you weren't really getting started. You were kind of like just topping up. No, I had the munchies, Mike. It's kind of like when you smoke and ah. you just, you just want to eat anything. Mm. You know what I mean? So at this point, I was like, man, I'm not really getting into this. And then I was like, man, I think I got some fresh fruit and cherries in the fridge. <laughs> but usually I don't take that type of break. Like I'm so into the fights, Mike, that I typically wait for the commercials. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a stickler. You know, so. But this one, I was like, I can walk away from the, the television. <laughs> 
So what's the what's the pre-flight um, buffet? What what is the usual go-to? Is it Caribbean or you kind of like mix it up? Um, it's usually Caribbean. On the weekends, I get like a lot of Caribbean food to last me for the weekend, and I treat myself to like plantain, rice and beans, or whatever they have. So, yeah, I usually have like stewed chicken. Mm. You know, sometimes some oxtail, like sometimes some pate. Remember the last time you called me, I was eating the Haitian pate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, they're they're flakier than the Jamaican pates. Okay, but so just as spicy, not, yeah. They're different. Yeah. Speaking of spice. Robert Whittaker. Now I'm hungry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Whittaker and Darren Till. Um, for me, mm. I thoroughly enjoyed that. The first round, uh, I thought that, you know, obviously dropping Robert Whittaker, I thought it was in the bag. I thought it was all over. I thought Darren Till was going to be um, g- giving his, his best post fight um, speech ever. But no, it just wasn't to be. Oh, um, yeah. Robert Whittaker has obviously solidified his mindset because that was one thing going into this that I thought, you know what, that's going to be easy to crumble considering where he's come from. He was talking about burnout. He was talking about needing to <clears throat> step away, excuse me, because of the fact that, you know, he felt a little bit um, overwhelmed and um, kind of like burnt out. But um, it's right. kind of like, clear that his 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 mind is 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 definitely in the game and um his body certainly was one thing which kind of like puzzled me that you know Darren Till is someone who I think mixes up in terms of strikes you know he does uh put in uh at, at least a few kicks in there and um I, I I was surprised by the lack of um well a kicking action going on in this and um it, it made me think that maybe there was some kind of like injury um, in there, and I, I found out subsequently, you know, in the in the post fight, that yeah, he was carrying, ca- yeah, knee. he he had mm-hmm. had actually injured his knee. But in terms of the fight, what 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 did that kind of like do for you? Um, I'm with you. I think we need to focus on the fact that a lot of people kept saying Darren Till was hesitant to be offensive, mm. and it's just like. I don't know if that's really about Darren Till or is that really about Robert Whitaker's performance? Yes. Like, the first round mid-adjustment was amazing. After Robert Whitaker got dropped with that hard elbow, and then he was thrown to the ground by that monster. Don't forget the elbow, and then Darren rawr, threw him down, okay? <laughs> Robert Whitaker gets up and, like, starts chopping at his leg. And then for the rest of the fight, he consistently sits down and hits those calf legs. Why? He needs to... Sh- stop that power because Darren Till sits down on all his kicks and punches. Yeah. That's the beauty of Darren Till is that he's very fast, but when he connects, it's like he sat down on his punches like a fat-ass sumo wrestler. Mm. It's amazing. And he comes straight down the pipe with that cross or that left when he's southpaw. It's it's beautiful. But Robert Whitaker didn't want none, so he kicked his legs, and guess what that did? It injured his knee. And now Darren can't fire off as powerfully as he can. Yeah. And then you got Robert and him doing this feint game now, so it's like, if you come in, I'll hit you. If you do, I'll hit you first. So... Yeah, of course he was hesitant. He was slightly injured, and Robert Whitaker was was fighting beautifully. So it's like, don't necessarily think Darren is a bad fighter. Just think Robert Whitaker's game plan was more effective. That's how I see it. You know, because I see people on Twitter already like, yo, you know, so and so broke Darren Till Masvidal. Now he's hesitant, or because of the Gastelum fight, he was hesitant. Yeah, I get how y'all say that, but I think in this particular fight, a lot of it had to do with the knee, and just Robert Ridiker is that good, and he was landing on him too. He gave him a reason to hesitate. Yeah, 
off the because Darren came out like a bat out of hell and was gonna he was trying to cut the distance he was cutting him off he was clinching with him and then Robert was doing that in and out movement and then he was catching him and then after not only was he catching him Robert said I will also additionally start hitting at your knee and it was effective and he kept doing it the whole game plan mm. and the whole fight and then I also felt like Darren got a little tired but his shots were just heavy. I remember he landed a couple of flurries in the fourth round, and again, because of no fans, it sounded like, you know, um, Whitaker was hit with, like, a couple shotgun rounds. I mean, both men displayed such poker faces. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, considering um, what he was yeah. actually carrying, um, that was a yeah. definite, definite um, step in the right direction with that poker face. Because I didn't even know Darren Till was injured until like he kind of went in the corner and he said something like my leg I can't da 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 but when he was fighting he didn't he wasn't limping he wasn't reacting to the kicks and then on top of it when Darren Till was hitting Whitaker he wasn't really reacting he was getting up really quickly and wasn't really doing the stanky leg but you could tell he was a little hurt you know caught off guard and amazing to both of them for just like such mental strength to not act like they were injured for the both of each other like they just weren't having it it is the poker face in, in that fight was amazing and i was stressed out it was a chess match <laughs> i don't know what what do you what do you think they go from here though well that's just what it Robert that, doing what do you think darren does? well you see that that that's just it for me this kind of like obviously spoil the party this um does actually set back uh, my aspirations of darren being the next person to lift the loft a title for the uk you know what I want to see him fight. I love you, man. Come on, it's got to happen. I mean, really and truly. Um, for me, he's saying that he's scared of this man. He's saying that Yoel Romero is uh, the, the boogeyman. There is a story there. And you know old Mike likes a story. You know old Mike likes the narrative. You know old Mike likes, you know, basically um, ad- adversarial positions. And that this is it. I, I would love to see him fight um i wouldn't mind either but i just i'm like living with regrets as a darren till fan like i hate the way his career is going i love that he's learning but i just feel like they're they're pushing him too far like he just got to middleweight yeah how come he's not fighting Derek Brunson, then Kelvin Gastelum, and then the winner of Yo Romero versus Uriah Hall or something like that? Let him fight Uriah Hall. Let him fight Derek Brunson. Why is he going straight towards a you know an ex-champ that knows how to fight five rounds and, and can handle himself like Robert Whitaker? Well, you know I why. Know, I just... Whenever they have a potential cash cow, whenever they have somebody who'll be able yeah. to possibly lift yeah. the belt aloft, they will fast track mm-hmm. you. The UFC are notorious for that. They've done in the past, Dan Hardy being one of them, going back to yeah, you know subject uh, matter in hand, mm-hmm. and you know it's one of those things which is a continual theme. And you, you know what? I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I just I'm so full of shoulda, coulda, woulda. Mm. Like remember when Mike Perry was cage side punching his chin yeah. and just just you know drooling for for um darren till Mm. that's when they should have fought they both were kind of new like you could have had you know somebody going back to the drawing board and then push darren till i think he would have won that fight but push him up i just think they could have developed him better yeah you know but you know shoulda coulda woulda we can't go in the past so i would say for darren till let him fight i guess you know let's see what happens with uriah hall and and yo romero and and robert whitaker wants a title shot yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm in a rush to see him 
fight the winner of Costa versus Izzy. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe maybe Robert Whitaker, Jack Hermanson. Who knows? That's not a so bad shout. Know. That's not a bad shout It's at not all. a bad shout, yeah. but Jack Jack wants the winner of... Um, well, yeah, he, he does want the winner. Yeah. He did say that's that. A, though, that's right? exactly what he said. No, that's a brilliant oh, shout. Oh, yeah, I'm tripping. Yeah, so, okay, good. I'm on the right track. <laughs> Jack did say that. So I think that's a good matchup. Good. I picked right. <laughs> but why not? But I think Robert Whitaker is, is pushing for that title shot. Mm. I'm going to be honest. I don't mean to be negative Nancy or Debbie Downer. I think that both those guys, their stock went up, but not enough to convince me that either one of them can beat Israel at a stock. Yeah, same. Same. Now you, you've nailed that. That is 100% yeah. perfect. Speaking of perfect, rolling on, back to the apex uh, this coming Saturday. UFC Fight Night Brunson versus Shabazian. What do you reckon of... Um, okay, we're going to probably uh, touch on this midweek, but what did you think of um, those two being like slid in um, to the uh, headline position there? I didn't quite understand the, the whirlwind or what had happened. Is there any backstory or drama as to why? I didn't really catch that. I know that there were changes made and Dana you know, called Rhonda personally on FaceTime to tell her and, and uploaded on IG, which I thought was weird. I know that she's his manager, but I didn't think it was like breaking breaking news. Mm. But what's the backstory? What what happened, Mike? D- you know no, what? I don't have any details. It's it's just um it, it like you said the it switcheroos and changes. Very very much yeah. so. Very, very much the switcheroo and, and changes. Um Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I'm fine with I, it. I don't hate it's it. It's a great matchup. Yeah, no. I think it's a great matchup. But I do think that um, although Brunson is showing wonderful improvements, like he is starting to chuck it finally. He's starting to tuck his chin a little bit, and he's starting to just slow down and, and, and use a little bit more fight IQ than before. But I do think that Shabazzian is the better fighter here and will keep him on the outside. And if he has the takedown defense to do it, I think he's going to knock him out. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, you know something? I, I just um, just remembered. And just looked up the fact that um, it was Holly Holm who was scheduled to face Irene Aldana. Yeah. And um, that is why. I think it was Holly Holm who was... tested for COVID. That, 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 I I think, is the backstory. There you go. Yes. Look how I, look how we know what's going on when we just we know so much we can't even keep it together. You know what I mean? Like, look how I was like, yeah, she tested for COVID in two seconds ago. I was like, I don't know the story. That is so crazy. Mm, this is like, like you say, oh it was a bit God. of a whirlwind, though. Yeah, and there's so much going on, but absolutely, you are correct. Irene tested for COVID, unfortunately, so they're going to reschedule that. So they bumped Brunson and Shabazian up, and nonetheless, it's a great matchup. Doesn't matter where it is on the card, co-main or main. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it with Edmund, especially. I think he's a star in the making. Exactly. So. Just before we wrap up this week's episode, let's do something a little bit different. Usually we have mm-hmm. listener questions. I'm going to pose a question for you. This is uh, Ask Me Anything uh, round of the WOCast. And um, if you want, you can ask me one. But my question to you, to you is, you mentioned earlier that you're a bit of a, a film buff. Now, just to, to, to full disclosure here, I used to um, do film critique um, in my journalist days when I was working for, uh, at the time it was the Voice newspaper, I used to work for The Face and Hip Hop Connection. Anyway, cut long story short, 
and um, Touch Magazine, I used to do the film reviews. So I'd rock up at uh, either red carpet events or um, uh, press screenings of, of movies. So I saw an extensive uh, array of, you name it, different cultures in terms of um, subtitled films and whatnot. Anyway, mm-hmm. my question to you, you said that you were a bit of a, a film buff. What's your favorite film of all time? Oh my god, that is like the worst question you gotta pick to one. ask me. You gotta pick one. I can't pick one. There's so many. <laughs> you have to pick one. Oh my Desert god. Island um Desert Island DVDs. You can only bring one DVD with you to the Desert Island. What movie is that gonna be? Favorite movie of all time. I don't think I would bring a book because I couldn't <laughs> choose. Are you kidding me? I'd be like, I'll bring a book, goddammit. Um I don't know. I do really like uh, Clockwork Orange. I like dark movies. Don't don't uh, judge a me. Clockwork Orange. A wow. Yes, I love a movie that makes you question life and be like, "Yo, what the fuck is going yeah. on in this world?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because I feel like when a movie upsets you or even has you question life, mm. it's a good movie. <laughs> if you're if you turn off a movie and you're fucked up, then that means it's a good movie, kind of like that. <laughs> so, like uh, Clockwork Orange, and I read the book. It's it's a messed up movie, and I, I really enjoyed it, and it had an impact on me when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I've got so, to admit, probably, probably I, I I love a good movie, but I found that very disturbing. Oh, that's my genre. <laughs> I love disturbing movies. Don't ever watch a movie called Martyrs. It's one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Never heard of that, really... Martyrs. Yeah, good. Don't you dare. Wow. <laughs> Don't you dare. You, 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 it's you pretty bit. My... It's a French movie, I believe. Oh, okay. I was about to say, you piqued my curiosity there. What was the premise? Set it up for me. Obviously, don't get into the gory details, but what's the premise? Um, it's about questioning almost the afterlife and getting getting as close as you can to that afterlife through pain and torture. And that's all I'm going to tell you. Wow. And it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty disturbing. And they, they get real close to that point and it's up to you to interpret it. So it's a great film. It's just hella disturbing. I'll never watch it again. <laughs> but that's my genre. It's a good movie. Though. Okay, so Citizen, um, so um, a Clockwork Orange is what you bring to the island. Probably, and be all just depressed and stuff watching all this fucked up movie. I should bring like a happy movie <laughs> to the island, but you know. But I have a fight question for okay, you. Okay, go for it. Um, I don't know. You 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 sparked my interest when you brought up like um. What were we talking about? We were talking about champions. We were talking about Robert Whittaker mm. and how he needed a break and he was burnt out. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of noticing a trend. I think being a champion is a really hard job, especially to be like a consistent champion. You saw GSP break down. Yeah. Man, my man walked away after that. His face was beat up like that. He started talking about aliens. He left. Anderson Silver, when he lost, he was relieved. We were pissed off he played around, but he was like, thank God, I don't want the belt no more. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And then... Okay, so who do you think is the best champion that seems to just handle all this pressure well and just doesn't seem to be bothered that he's champion or she? Who's who's like the most like sane champion? I think in terms of being in the cage and handling um, just... I mean both, inside and out. Because a lot of it, though, you see how Whitaker, we don't know what was going on. He had a mental breakdown. Yeah. You know, like, there were rumors it was the fires in Australia, then it was a divorce, or his kid needed a kidney. I even heard some crazy shit like that. Yeah. So I mean, like, all of it, from balancing the fame, the sponsorship, 
it's I mean no I don't mean to throw shots at, at, at Connor or anything but I would not say him because of all the stuff that he gets into outside and then you know then Whitaker needed he had a mini breakdown who's the champ that's just like sitting pretty no problems you see sitting pretty no problems I think you're 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 and winning sorry and winning like I just feel like a, a certain mind my question is because like wh- it's like you have to have a certain mind to be champion and to maintain it because it, it's such a boost of lifestyle you know what I mean you see up until recently it would have been Anderson Silva mm. look at that dominance look at that reign look at that yeah. you know continual um, well showing up and proving each and every time or someone like mm. Jose Aldo you know I'd, I'd lean more towards Jose Aldo because up until he met Conor McGregor a, he was a dominant champ, but B, he yeah. kept his ass quiet. There was no, you know, careering around the streets in, um, you know, a, a car knocking knocking down um, pregnant ladies or, you know, there wasn't any stories of womanizing. There wasn't any, you know, um, supposed cocaine use. He seemed to be on an even keel in terms of he'd show up in the octagon and he'd show up, um, well, in, in his personal life, as it were, with, with no problems. But this is what it appeared um, before he met Connor. So initially, I was going to say uh, Anderson Silva, but I'm going to go with Jose Aldo. Mm, not bad. Um Believe it or not, um, you're probably not going to like this answer because he did kind of flip out one time. But I think Khabib is the most, like, you know, just comfortable in his shoes type of champion until, you know, Conor got under his skin. Yeah. I feel like he was already famous in, in Russia. He's, you know, being a, a lightweight champ is nothing on top of Sambo and whatever is going on in Russia. You know, I think he handles the fame quite well. Yeah, but hold on. You've you broken your own rule then because by your reckoning or by your rationale, he would have fallen down at the last hurdle because of what happened um you know vaunting the cage that isn't something that jose aldo yeah, has ever done that's... you know that altercation you know changed the face in terms of his pristine image his pristine outlook and his pristine but also huh? but i could argue your choice as well i mean aldo lost the the championship because he lost his cool i mean he couldn't even you know he he came straight on to connor as soon as as soon as the bell sounds, yeah, hold he on. That's, ran that's, across the cage. That's, that some that's called being in this kind of got in his head. Yeah, but no, that that's you know? that's fighting style. And that's 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 eager houseboy in terms of you know the way he approached that. And uh, yes, he, he you did. don't think Connor got in his head? I know. I'm not saying that he didn't get in his head, but I'm saying he kept it together inside and outside the cage from a behavioral standpoint mm-hmm. and was dominant remember the dominance that we saw in in jose aldo and not only in the cage but being someone who defended year in year out his belt yeah i guess so i mean if we're talking current champions you i mean yeah you're right khabib did lose his mind yeah the cage gets suspended and got into a fist fight you're right I'm just thinking he's just so cool outside of that. Maybe I'm being biased because <laughs> he handles his like own personal fame well, too. I mean, Israel Adesanya hasn't been champ long, and he seems to be handling it quite well. Like, I don't think, you know, anything emotionally can rock him off his nut. You know, I don't see him getting in trouble outside of the UFC or anybody really getting under his skin where he's jumping the cage or doing anything wild. And out of all the champs that we have, I can see him getting, like, more famous than Kamaru Uzman. He has more personality. So I could see him handling whatever heat or fame that comes his way as well, you know, or pressure. You know something? I hear you. Yeah. 
but this is way too early in his career to be making those yeah, types of statements. Yeah, that's why I didn't want to pick him. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what he I hasn't said. He has been champ long. Yeah, that's what I said about John Jones. You know, his, his references mm-hmm. to Jesus, the fact that he's got Philippians. Uh, is it Philippians? I, I, I'm such a heathen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Across his chest. <laughs> I think and, he does. And, and just the, 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 the constant um, suggestions by Rashad that what we were seeing was a facade. But I was, it, he had me hook, line, and, and, and sinker. He had this clean cut image. And that was in the early days and when he was, you know, um, going out there and, and knocking brothers out. Yeah, but, you know, he's he's one of the baby kids. He's one of the, <laughs> you know, he's one of our problematic champions i wouldn't definitely i would not pick john jones someone that gets stripped and you know he gets in a whole bunch of trouble wasn't he just on tape you know helping out the homeless drunk with a gun in his car like that's definitely not the most emotionally stable champ there you but go. no I, I mean i guess we'd have to keep looking i mean stipe handles it pretty well i would say but not enough defenses really- for me yeah, not enough defenses, and Khabib lo- did lose his mind. So yeah, maybe you're right. Anderson, Anderson was pretty good with it, and also too when Anderson lost, he was relieved, but he he wasn't acting like a champion that was like burnt out <sighs> or having problems either. Like he 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 had a good poker face too, if he was under a lot of stress. But you see, that's why I defaulted to Jose Aldo because for me, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know this is another subject, and probably another subject for another time, but. His legacy was tainted by the, you know, the... The, the, the 13 seconds. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's, for me, it's about, you know, <laughs> it, he's, a, he's a drug cheat, man. Come on, let's, let's, just, let's just call it as it is, you know. The, 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 the backstory to that, the elaborate story, oh, I went oh. to somebody who was a friend because I couldn't go to the doctor because I was embarrassed and he gave me this blue vial. Come on, man. That tainted his legacy because of that Jack and Nori storytelling. Yeah, I, it's unfortunate, man. I hate when they do that shit. Like that shit was devastating. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know much about Peds, but when they get popped and you have such a legacy like that, it does stain it. There you, you know, go. Now you got the naysay. Because I'm one of those people. Like I don't care because because I'm ignorant to Peds. It's hard for me to demonize them for mm. it. But I understand, I acknowledge my biases with it, though. But, you know, what happens, though, is people like me, we don't have no argument for the folks that are like, he's a cheat, Gina, he got caught with peds. You see, I got quiet when you brought it up, right? Like, I was like, true, because you can't (laughs) debate it. Whether I don't think it matters or not, it's it's not debatable. He took them, and that was cheating. Exactly. So... And it breaks my heart because he's. He, I would say Anderson Silver is like my. He, I would say he's my favorite fighter, and also too, I don't like John Jones, but I feel like when he got popped, it tainted his legacy as well. There you go. On top of the the criminal mm. activity. Exactly. Well, Ooh. speaking of breaking hearts, it breaks my heart to bring this episode to a close. That about wraps up this episode of the Wokecast. Join us midweek when uh, we'll be going for the hard way with Chisanga G and main man Kairos. Until then, make some trouble. Always later.
Let's go!